Did you see his documentary, by the way? Did you watch that on Netflix? I didn't watch Kevin's documentary. Okay. Um, but I, you did watch Aaron Hernandez's documentary. Most of it. I didn't finish it. Um, okay. So, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, it just it gave me the idea of what I've always said. Like, you don't know people's backstory. And people are so quick to judge when the other person's in the limelight especially when you do something that is quote-unquote bad or quote-unquote like oh i can't believe you would do something like that when in reality you probably did something similar or 10 times worse but it's just because it's not in the light now you can blame someone else and i think going but just getting back to the point i think with aaron like People are looking at him like he was a great player. He's always been a great player, very athletic, um, you know, handsome and all that. And he was considered to or, or projected to have like a great life, especially with his dad who played at UConn and they called him the king and all that. They like were explaining that. Beyonce but, was bad, by the way. Right. Yeah. And but the big thing was there was a dark side to him. Even though he was this great player, he was he made fun of himself. He right. he didn't bully people, which was like a great thing and all that. They positioned they really highlighted like his dad like was really big into alcohol. Alcoholism mm-hmm. and he was drunk and he would beat his mom up and there were these moments where he had to face all this trauma but never like get any help for it. And if you grow in that situation consistently, how do you expect that person to live a normal life if he was if that particular that trauma he faced was never treated? And they they highlight that point of where like he had like this double life, even though he was like considered a great guy on pitcher, but in his head he was just completely messed up. Like he it was it was like I'm not saying he was schizophrenic, but it's just like these these that PTSD is a real thing. And going off of those moments of where you're seeing your dad beat up your mom or drinking alcohol and doing things that you would not expect the moniker of a king to do, and then you grow into a position to where you do make the quote-unquote dream of making it to the league and making it to the Patriots at that. Right, right, right. And then you go into this thing of where I killed this man. But apparently there was more killings in the past. That. Yeah, a year or two years before, yeah. yeah. Right. And then the group he was hanging out with, yeah. it just it didn't fit his personality. Yeah. That they, they put that they put out there. So I, I I really think like when it comes to what the mistakes that people make and the things that people do that are considered wrong, I think we as a society should do something to actually help these people as opposed to just throwing them in jail or giving them the, the chair or whatever it is because what does that do you just end you end the problem you end the you do a quick fix but what about the problem what are you doing to help avoid this particular problem what are you doing to maybe get people who face these particular issues to maybe come out in the light and say you know what i have this same issue too i need help as opposed to shunning them away and say like, i'm gonna i'm gonna either kill this person or just throw them away and lock them out yeah, I, I agree. I didn't um, see the whole documentary, but I did read up a lot about it. And um, from what I read, they focused a lot on his um, alleged homosexuality that right. he was apparently hiding from everyone. And they felt like that hiding that 
was also playing a part in his mind that he wanted to keep that secret being a football player because, you know, it's not cool to be in a locker room and be gay. And and that someone may have found out or or something like that. So, um, but when I read, the, read about it, it was saying that um, they felt like Netflix chose to highlight that more than anything to, you know, to keep it uh, for the ratings, to keep it a good documentary. You know, to, to, to cut you off, Mike, you know, the yeah. thing I find ironic about that, how they position, how they're blowing up this homo- homosexuality thing, and they're saying um, that this was another reason, the trauma of him being picked on and what, what, what could happen just because he decided to make his own choice. I just feel like this is like a consistent system that a group is implementing into the masses to help make this particular um, choice a major thing and to really position where some people may say this group is being bullies just because one other group may not believe what they choose to do and how out of out of how out of everything that happened with Mr. Hernandez and all that, you blow that idea of homosexuality being the ca- the main trigger of him causing these things and eventually killing himself. Why is it that? Just that. Yeah, I agree. And my thing was, reading more about it, was that um, it shouldn't be just that, right? right? Because, and also the whole thing with the CTE. I was reading about and you know when he died they donated his brain to science and it, it showed that his 27 year old brain was the worst case of cte they ever seen from a brain of someone that age right and even though it might not play the 100 percent part but saying that people have killed themselves killed others who we know had cte that i think it's safe to say that that played a part also in the things that he did and stuff like that. And I think we should look at all aspects, not just the homosexuality or things of that nature of what made him the way that he is. Because even right now, like with Antonio Brown, something's wrong with Antonio Brown. Of course. Right? And he might not have had the same childhood as Aaron Hernandez. He might not have been um, on the low, mm-hmm. homosexuality-wise, but their common denominator is getting hit football wise right or whatever and we gotta really look into that because this guy's threw away 30 million dollars now he's about to get arrested for you know got a warrant they're for saying, his arrest they're saying he's gonna go broke in five years yeah and stuff like that for all the things that and no one's helping him and no one's helping him right now like he's gonna turn into he's, a Delonte West yeah he's on this downward spiral that's just happening in front of our eyes right. and whatnot. and again you can't tell me a person who would seem to be very calm and sane, let's say three, four years ago, mm-hmm. is just all of a sudden this, um, um, just doing things like this without there being some kind of head trauma right. associated with that. And I think that's going to play a part with uh, Aaron Hernandez. Right. And to throw another curveball, um, which is kind of within the point and kind of with not in the point. Like, remember what, what Chris Brown did to Rihanna, right? Mm hmm. And how everyone was calling him a monster oh, yeah. and all this other stuff. And a lot of people understanding the backstory. I'm not saying what he did was right, but people just going again, going again, and like at the fact of, 
oh, okay, well, this person did something really, really bad, so I'm just going to completely shut him out because we're going to cancel him because he did this. He put a hand on a woman. How could you ever do something like that? That's not natural. That's not normal. But at the end of the day, Chris Brown is a human. There's probably a reason for this. Not to condone the reason, but there's a reason for it. And there was a reason. Yeah, she hit first, right? Right. And no one's, and even Rihanna kind of insinuated that when she did the interview. We came in about that. Right. And Rihanna even implied that where she felt bad for Chris because she's a bad guy. Yeah. And she was basically saying, like, listen, you don't know what happened in that car. And I, I, the thing is, I feel bad for is everyone's going to look down on Chris because they don't know what actually happened. And even Chris applies the same, uh, implies the same thing when he did the interview, that interview special that was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, like, everyone's looking down on me, but you don't know what happened. Chris being a stand-up gent, he's probably not going to talk about what actually happened. And I'm not saying what he, he had the right to do what he had to do, but at the end of the day, you don't know what happened. You don't know if he was provoked or not. And I feel like people... Going into what Rihanna's what Rihanna was positioning was people were being monsters to him. They're literally tearing him apart. And in in that wor- in that in that moment, the whole world, or the majority of the world, was against Chris. Like literally minutes ago, you were like the young sensation considered to be the next Michael Jackson, one of the biggest artists in R and B and pop music. And then everything switched away. Like everyone just turned canceled you because going back into what I originally said with with R. Kelly is the fact that you want to take this is the fact that when something goes wrong, when something goes wrong, yeah, just turn the Bluetooth off. When something goes wrong, you just cancel and stop just because you see what's obviously going wrong and saying like, you know what, I don't like this person no more, and. It's like, how do you do that? You One day you like the person, but just because you found out what this person did in the dark and no one ever helped him get out of that dark, now you hate him? It's like hypocritical because if you actually look at all these entertainers and the people they choose to go in that particular limelight, all of them have messed up past. So if you find out about everything, you're just going to stop watching movies, stop listening to music, stop, stop going to sport events, like <laughs> stop eat, going to certain restaurants. What do I like, call that, Mike? I missed the, the part of that. Selective morality. Selective morality, as usual, which I love that say. That's one of Josh's best, actually. He'll have many. No, I'm joking, but <laughs> he's got a few. Um, oh, you guys got to do the power review. We're going to get to that. but Oh, I watched Mercy and um, – Great. So this is going to be a lot uh, of talk. So I watched it yesterday. I saw – I didn't see Hernandez, but I did see the Kevin Hart uh, okay. documentary. I watched all nine parts. There's literally nine parts to it. Oh, well, I didn't even know it was that long. But they're, they're like uh, – um, Forty minutes, thirty minutes. Each, yeah, so they're not really like a crazy long or whatnot, but it uh, it details um, all the way you know his childhood, all the way through his infidelity, um, all the way up until now. Um, you know, recent events and stuff like that, and um, crash, right? Huh? The crash. The car. I don't think it goes to the car crash yet. Um, it may, but I know it talks about the infidelity because. I don't know if you saw it, when she was on the shade room when they were talking mm-hmm. about that. She found out from a DM about the infidelity of stuff like that um, that he committed. Um, but the bigger story was what you said about the um, the Oscars and 
when that happened, um, that tweet came out, his initial aspect was to apologize, but he didn't really apologize. So he said, I apologize if I, if I offended anyone, but those tweets were from 2010 or whatever like that. And um, <clears throat> if anyone knows me, I'm not like that, yada, yada, yada. But the homosexual or LGBTQ community did not accept an apology, right? They were like, that wasn't really an apology. You was apologizing if you offended anyone, but you don't really get it still. So they didn't really accept it. And Kevin was going like, um, going crazy trying to figure out like, you know, why don't they, why don't they take it? His PR representative was just saying, Kevin, sometimes you got to shut up and let stuff blow over. But I, what I saw, and she said this was Kevin's need to be liked, to be loved, right? That right. he couldn't that, yeah. let it sit there. He wants somebody. He wants people to love him, not hate him. Right. He constantly needs that energy, that positive feedback. Like, you, y'all need to be on with me as opposed to against me. Right. So he couldn't let it sit there and blow over and come back later. He had to keep doing stuff. And every time we tried to apologize, mm -hmm. it was getting worse. And then he brought his team in in a room just like this and said, you know, made sure they were okay because he actually wanted his um, one people who worked for him. She's actually was a lesbian. To make sure that she was okay and she was even saying like look i had to talk to my partner about this and you know i had to see if i was still okay working here after that and stuff like that this was real, real talk three from nine years ago i don't know if that's all the way true but, but anyway <laughs> he decided all right i'm gonna go on ellen or whatever right and he went on there and said a heartfelt apology but then they still were like ellen don't represent this whole community so it's because she forgive you don't mean we forgive you so it was like no matter what he did, it couldn't get over to a point where the Oscars had to say, I'm sorry, but uh, he can't host anymore. Um, hold that thought. I think this is Kevin. Uh, Jazz wants me to talk to him about what he wanted me to plug. So I have his number. Kev. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up? How you doing? I can hear you. What did you want me to um talk about with the health situation? Oh man, uh, this is a great. What you doing, man? I just want to say that, but um, we were pretty much having an event on the thirtieth of January for the new youth health. Okay. Um, the idea behind it is to uh, pretty much like uh, hold a health fitness event. Um, the focus is just to increase health status awareness in the community. Uh, so we're providing free health screening. behind that and then the center 
So if you come in for a health screen on January 30th, you can be selected for a free haircut as well. And, and, and what and what time is that on January 30th? Okay. Yeah, I think it's a great thing y'all doing. And we definitely want to plug it right here on the New Year Radio uh, with those health screenings and especially with heart disease being the leading cause in New Jersey and diabetes and high blood pressure and everything else, you know, taking us all out. So I think it's uh, a great thing. Hey man, it's, it's a great thing, and we're happy to plug it right here on the uh, New Year Radio. Hopefully, they get more more traction. You know. All right, you hope maybe one day we can get you on here to talk more about health and awareness and stuff like that. Maybe on a future show. All right, man. We appreciate it, Kev. Hey man, we appreciate the love. I'm here with John and Josh right now. They both listen, man. We both we all appreciate the love, and uh, and thanks for it. This uh, show will be out within the next few days, of course. So you'll hear, you know, us uh, talking to you about plugging this uh, health awareness, and we look forward to seeing you and seeing you in here as well. All right, have a good one, man. Bye bye. So as you heard once again, uh, ladies and gents. Uh, there will be a, a health uh, awareness, free screenings at uh, 1272 Hamilton Avenue in Trenton, New Jersey, a new you barbershop on January 30th between 1 and 5. And apparently uh, by coming to get that screening, you may be selected for a free haircut. And the barbers there are, are excellent. So... If you want to go, uh, you can even, uh, if you know any of us personally, call us for more information on that. And uh, But you also know the address right now. So, And um, moving forward, get off care for now and move forward uh, to the reviews. And this, this is not likely that like, John sees what I see, so we can really go into this right now a little bit. Do you uh, mind if uh, John goes first so I can switch out the battery? Of course, definitely. So... Um, which, which, which should I start with, Mike? Or which movie? Well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll say power for the end. So let's uh, let's start with um with with Just Mercy. Give me give me your thoughts on that. Wow, what I will say, um, I chose to watch Just Mercy in a uh, predominantly white area, and I will say this. The movie itself is definitely a tearjerker. Um, like with the story, um, especially with Michael B. Jordan's character 
my by far great uh jamie fox's character who played uh the inmate who was wrong wrong wrongfully uh implicated over a murder over a 18 year old white woman saying that he committed uh a murder when he was not even there he was literally helping his church doing a stir fry and the whole town of alabama was so enticed in the idea of trying to find this killer they were willing to do any and everything and they literally got an inmate who was actually supposed to be going to in to death row um to basically say that he was with him and get the rat of saying like listen it was him he did this i saw him with my own eyes when he was nowhere to be found and it just it just it by watching the movie, it's scary to think like stuff like this actually happened and still happens today where based upon what you actually look like, you can be positioned into this box of saying like, listen, this is you. We don't like you. We're going to frame this on you and we're going to find any and whatever ev evidence, even when it's completely ridiculous, the stuff that they put on you. But they're going to create that emotion amongst the town to really tear you apart and make you look like a monster when you're a, an actual model citizen who wouldn't hurt a fly. And it's just really, really sad. And then there's a part where uh, there was a war veteran who. Um, uh, Herman. 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 Right. Yeah. And his, you know what? That's that's crazy because it goes. I was gonna talk about that because his story goes into what you were talking about with um Aaron Hernandez, right? That instead of helping him, they killed him. They killed him. And Herman was such. Spoiler a, alert for Just Mercy, by the way. I had to do it. We had to do it. But Herman was such a nice, gent, a nice gentleman, and he just had, and he just had a bad case of PTSD. And at that time, that wasn't really a thing that was positioned out there. But he had, he served in the army, and he was honor, honorably discharged. But he had these nightmares, where it would affect his decision making, where he accidentally killed someone. But instead of you know giving him a fair trial and giving him the help he needed, because he really needed to be in a mental health facility, they just chose to throw him in jail. Forget that he was actually an army veteran and give him the death penalty and expedite his, um, his sentence. I feel like that was a, because he tried to get a lawyer involved. It got expedited. It got expedited. Yeah. Because when Michael B. Jordan's character came in and saw his case, he wanted to help him. And basically he tried to position, what he, he petitioned it to the Supreme court mm -hmm. and they denied it. Denying all the facts. And it was just like another thing that where you just feel like, man, this is really unfair. Like, even when he's really trying and trying to give somebody who fought for the country, going for those people who are really political in that, that agenda, especially with the, the current um, thing with uh, Kaepernick, like uh, people are very patri patriotic, but just because of the color of his skin, you forget that and push that away and basically just say like, oh, this guy's worthless. He's nothing. And just take his life away. And it, that was just like really, really. That was, it's, it's a great movie, but it's definitely an alarming movie that gets you to really think 
because it really gets you to incite these thoughts of like, wow, where you can almost be angry that how could the place that you live, the system that you believe where it's supposed to be justice for all, but it's just like, it's just maybe, it's just not even a maybe, it's just like it's justice for some. And you don't really get the idea, you don't really get a chance to fight for your rights just because of how you look and what you represent. And it just, it just really, really, it's just really, really, it's really, it's really good, but really, really sad at the same time. So besides the enlightenment, how would you rate the overall movie then? I give it a, I give it a nine. Good. I give it a nine. I like, like, yeah, with the imagery, um, the process, it was like when in the beginning, like when he he speaks to this prosecutor, trying to figure out like, like why is this case still going on? Like the the the, what what we have for this particular for for my client? Like what what's going on? Because the evidence is alarming. Like why are you guys looking past it? And then he just clearly ignored him. Or even when the police tried to scare him, putting the gun in his head and all that, it was just like it really gets you. Like when I said earlier, just it gets you thinking. Like wow, just like stuff like this happens every day. Yeah. Um, so Just Mercy stars Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Michael B. Jordan plays the character Brian Stevenson. It's based off a true story. Brian Stevenson to this day um, is still working with um, uh, people on death row who can't get a lawyer. Freed over 160 inmates. 160 inmates uh, to this day. Um, and, 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 and still working diligently to give people service who can't get it themselves. He was a hot shot lawyer just getting out of law school instead of going to work for a big Harvard firm. Law. Harvard Law. He decided to go to Alabama and help free death row inmates. Um, His mother even looked down upon him for doing that. Pro bono. And whatnot. So, right. and his mother looked looked down upon him for um, like why would you do that? For doing it's a suicide that. mission. And um, funny because um, the lady who sits next to me at work, she's an older lady, but she's actually uh, Michael B. Jordan's second cousin, actually. So she actually talks to him like you know frequently and whatnot. She remembers when he stole Josh's role back in the day. Um, not joking about that, but but um, different characters, Miguel. <laughs> but she does. Um, <laughs> But she does. Uh, but he did steal my birthday as well. That's true. And your role. God, Josh, you would have got your foot. Eesh. <laughs> Maybe he threw a baseball better than you. I don't know. But nevertheless, um, he uh, she talks about the time, and he, he talks about this role. But um, I saw this film by myself um, the other day, and uh, it was great to me. I agree with the nine. I thought Jamie playing Walter McMillan, another true story, uh, was awesome in this movie. I mean, Michael did his job too, but Jamie was awesome. I, I, I do feel like Jamie at points overshadowed Mike, Michael's character. Yeah. And I think that has something to do with how Michael like pronounces certain things and mm-hmm. how he talks. But Jamie, he's just such a talent in yeah. how he speaks. You can feel it. Yeah. And even that point when Michael came in, he's like, I'm going to help you. And he was just like, no, you're not. Right. You're not yeah. going to do nothing. Like, just go back to your fancy clothes. If it, like, that's a real moment. You yeah. felt that. And it's just like this guy is so 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 talented. Yeah, you, I feel like he should be highlighted more 
based off well, the things well, he can do. Well, for this do. movie, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this role right I here. I hope he gets it. Uh, which I hope he does get it. Uh, I love to see Banks' excitement about a movie. Like, he's never been excited about a movie, but I, but I, I like seeing it, though. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, it's almost like Josh from Star Wars over here. So, it's just pretty good. But um, I, what I like was his family always stuck behind him. Right. And they were they were every trial. Go ahead. And, like, a, a cr- one thing I really, really admired and I feel like it, it ties in with like dating and relationships uh-huh. is where Jamie's character I was gonna say that too, but cheated, cheated, did cheat on his wife with a white woman, with a white woman, which was the the the, uh, the irony. But even though he was put away and he, he was going to jail, you would think most, at least some. I'm not saying all, but some women would just turn around like, no, forget him. He cheated on me. How could you just? We had three because he had three kids, right? We had three kids. We have a family. What are you doing? But despite the fact she knew that her husband was innocent, she knew that her husband was a provider for the kids. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact he chose to do something and think of himself, she still was willing to sacrifice her feelings to help this man, her husband, the father of her children, get through this. Even the part when she gave like the pictures of her kids, yeah, to get to him, to get to him, and he even felt like he even felt remorse as he's looking at it, like, and he, as he talk, I even as he talks to Michael, we could see admires what Michael did by going to his family and like speaking to his friends and family, like, okay, you're the real deal, let's do this. But he also feels remorse where I can't believe I'm in jail, I can't believe I cheated on my wife, I can't believe I did this to my kids, and. Now I'm here, and now I regret even doing this, not the killing, but this cheating on the woman that has always been there for me. I had no, I had no reason to do that. And I just felt like it shows the humility in his character and also plays a part of what people go through every day. Well, that's the irony, right? Because, because he cheated you know, with a white girl um, in town, so to speak, which in Alabama, even in the eight, well, even now, honestly, but in the 80s especially, more, um, that was kind of forbidden. But because that happened and the people in the town didn't like it, it helped them to now build this case against him because they're like, he, I guess, fornicates or he's with white women all the time or whatever. So the fact that the case was um, a murder of a white woman it helped them say that because they could say he can't say well I've never been around a white woman because there's a story in the town right? did any of the white women try to you know help his character by a testimony no and um and uh but with the wife right and that's to go to like you said for today like many was the wife's name like she she said it she was like he did me dirty with that white girl in town, but it's the father of my, my kids. I'm going to stand by him, and I know he didn't do this. And, you know, she stood by him all the way through. It was every trial, every courthouse, his whole entire family. I'm talking about like 20, 30 people was everywhere. He went, they went, right? And even when Michael B. Jordan's character, Brian, came over, um, they, um, they, uh, they, they, they were there. The whole family, like in a room like this, maybe 40 people. People were standing up, whatever it, it, it could do. And that just showed that. And to me, it showed that whole thing about a woman saying, let's get through things, right? Whether it's a, a touch of infidelity, uh, money aspect, whatever it is, because I'm sure after he got out, their relationship only got stronger. And that bond was, 
even stronger. And I said you should have to go through that for it to be that strong, mm-hmm. but it still showed me something that she still buy. And it reminds you of how culture is right now, especially when it comes to dating, especially when it comes to cheating, and the foundation of what you can do to overcome it, as opposed to just walking away from it and going to the next person and then consistently, consistently going into this trap like, oh, this person did this, I'm leaving. Oh, this person did that, I'm leaving. But what does that do? What are you building? What are you actually creating? You're not doing anything. You're just leaving because, yes, it sucks to be cheated on. Yes, it sucks to have your feelings hurt. But to be able to overcome something like that and build and rebuild what you guys have and what you guys have to offer speaks volumes. And for her to do that was just like, wow. And especially at that time, like for you to leave me and going at a time where my skin is considered to be unpleasant and then you go towards a white woman, which is basically the enemy for various reasons. Especially in that town. In that town. And the the ramifications of what can happen if you being caught. Well, I mean, the taboo factor. So Right. It's like, why would you do that? But despite that, she still was like, you know what? Father, my kids, we've been together for this long. We can make this right. Yeah. So movies like this, because it's an actual true story. Right. And you can look up the events. You know, I feel more free to talk about it, you know, with the spoiler alert, stuff like that still. But, you know, I'm not telling anything you can't find yourself. Right. So um, what you were asking was they actually framed him for the murder. And Brian Stevenson, Michael B. Jordan's character, came right in and saw what, what the hell. So. They got a guy who was already on trial and I'm sorry, already a criminal for stuff and on trial to say that he was um, the person that dropped uh, Jamie Foxx's character off. Right. And then he, when he came back to the scene, he was standing over him with a gun. So he said, you know, he kidnapped me, told me to drive to this location. But here was the whole of the story. His story said he kidnapped me told me to drive, let's say, here, drop him off. Then he says, I went and got a cigarette from the store, and when I came back, he was standing over her with a gun. So if he kidnapped you, dropped him off, why would you go to the store and come back? What sense does that make? Right? What kind of kidnapping is that? You know what I'm saying? So that was already, a, you know, a hold that Michael B. Jordan saw right away. And um, the guy was promised stuff by the sheriff if, they, if he made the story about Jamie. And only reason the sheriff did that was because that case had been going on for a couple of years. They didn't find anybody who killed this girl, but the family were kind of pressing them because it's a small town. So, you know, small towns, the people pay the salaries of the police department, stuff like that. Right. So the family was pressing them like, uh, and you know, sheriffs are actually voted in in these small towns and stuff like that, especially in the South at that time. It's not like you just ascend, you just ascend to a different rank. So, you know, they say, we'll vote you out if you don't find out who killed this person or whatever like that. So with that pressure, he then pressured this dude to lie on the stand, perjure himself to, um, you know, uh, get Walter McMillan locked up for it on death row. Then the guy still didn't want to do it because he knew it was a bad thing to do. Then he triggered his PTSD, right, going back to PTSD, Mm -hmm. by putting him in a cell where it was kind of fire coming out of the... um, the uh, I guess like the uh, the part of the room where the heat comes out, 
but it was a it was a glitch. So it was fire coming out, and he was burned or something as a kid. So that PTSD. I, I thought that was. I thought that was the. I thought he was traumatized. What got him? Or, or to, well, to correct myself earlier, he wasn't on death row at that moment. No, but um, they were threatening him, threatening him to go into death row if he didn't tell. And I, I thought the reason why what what inspired him or at least pushed him to go against because his, his morality was I'm not going to put an innocent man put an in innocent jail. Man, a man in jail. Why would I do that? All right. But I thought they had him witness somebody go in the chair, and no, well that was part of it. Then they also they knew from a story that he was burned or mm-hmm. somebody had something to do with fire when he was a kid. Right, right. So they put him in a very, very hot room where mm-hmm. fire kind of seeps out. Uh-huh. And he came back. Let me say that. The next day I said, I came back to Sheriff and I said, I'll say anything you want not to spend another night in that room. Right. Remember we told Michael B. Jordan's character that okay. when they were doing that. So that kind of pressure mm-hmm. is just, you get away anything you want to at the time in the South, which Sounds is bad. Sounds like witness tampering as well. As well. And then even with Jamie's character, right, they put him on death row a whole year before his trial even. And they said, I'm going to let you see what it feels like now. And if you want to get off uh, now, admit you got to something, admit that you, to something didn't you didn't do. do. Yeah, which is even crazier. Well, that's pretty standard stuff from what we know in our community, right? Yeah, exactly. So, movie's crazy. Um, Herbert was the guy's name, not Herman. Herbert, yeah, who right, had PTSD right. from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And he did kill them. He admitted to it. But it was Vietnam. And I, I think when he placed that bomb on her porch that he says, I think he thought it was like a platoon. Like, you know, he, he saw Vietnam in his head. And like they said, you need to you need to be in the hospital, not on death row. Fortunately, his time ran out. But then you saw the O'Shea Jackson's character. He mm-hmm. got actually wound up getting out. Right. But after like 35 years right. on death row. And they actually show that, like the real character, uh, which was Ice Cube's son, yeah. actually coming out of jail 30 years later. <laughs> but... It's just like it just just it's just to show like things like this happen on a day to day basis in the fabrication when it comes to the law system even when the the facts of the evidence are so alarming like this doesn't even make sense it's just like literally depending on where you are and what town you're in and what they believe you can go to jail for anything just because they don't like you or just because what color of skin you are yeah, it and, sounds like Jim Crow era and the crazy part was. When Jamie's character did get out, because he was he was on death row for six years, right? Yes. And when he got out, they said the trauma he had to face of being on death row still was with him. Still was with him till the day he died. He was never the same. He was never the same person. Yeah, I mean. I think the people in the jail also knew he was innocent, right? Because he, like, he was, he was kind of comfortable. He had a TV. Yeah. He had, like, amenities yeah. in his room, and it was a single-cell situation. So I feel like they knew that he didn't really do it, but there was nothing he could do about it, like the mm-hmm. guards and the warriors and stuff like that. Because remember, the other dude was asking him what to say on the TV. Right. But they had none of that stuff and whatnot. So I felt like that, um, you know, that they knew. But um, overall, me, I, I give it a 9 to It was a great movie. The acting was great. Uh, Michael B. Jordan did his thing, but I felt like you did see the uh, inexperience that he has compared to, let's say, a Jamie Foxx and whatnot. And that Jamie's worked with many more directors and things like that. And I could, I could actually see the difference in the two of them that, you know, he's still got a lot to learn as far as actor is concerned. Well, this role would help him tremendously. Yes, I, I, I agree with and that. And he's also a mind to have a movie with Denzel sometime in the future, which will help too. 
which which will definitely help too. So, Just Mercy, thumbs up. You know, great movie. Happy, um, I saw that I did. Next up, Bad Boys Three. <laughs> Yo, you know, at excited. first, at first, I, I was kind of like skeptical on so the movie because you know, I mean, Will, the, both of them are Will and Martin are old, and in their fifties, like Martin's fifty four and Will's like fifty one or something like that. Um. And this lift, seeing how Martin changed over years, I was just like, "Well, how they're going to do this? They're not Martin doesn't even look like he can run a mile, let alone run around the track." Eesh. I mean, it's, but it's his truth. Just due to his age and what he's been through, and with the drug abuse and all that, it, it, I just didn't see it. But I love the storyline of how they positioned their age, especially with Will and Martin. Like Mar- Will still trying to be young. Will not wanting to be married, Martin being married, Martin having his grandbaby, Martin really pushing Will to like, listen, you stupids, like stop messing with these girls. You got a girl right here that's into you. And he's really like, they're going back and forth of like, Will's trying to still be a bad boy. And Martin's like, I can't wait for retirement. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And even with the scene where um, Martin has to take Will Spoiler to... alert for Bad Boys 3 right, as well. Right, definitely. But there's a scene... Well, there's, the, there's a picture on his page, what I sent earlier, right. of the of the van where Martin has to pick up Will to go see a witness, and Martin is pull, pulls up in the minivan, a Nissan Quest van, and Will's like, what the hell is this? Like, this is all I got. Like, my wife has my car. And it's just like that point of where they're driving, they're driving through the city in the van, and Martin is going under the speed limit. <laughs> trying to be safe and will's like going out like what are you doing and it's like those little moments or when the witness that they're trying to find ends up falling onto the van the van's broken and they have to drive the van back home <laughs> but it's just like little stuff like that i just like the the aspects that they do in there to show their age and not take away from what they've done but also highlight that these 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 men are growing with grace. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised at this movie as well. And um, I would have saw it regardless because of the culture, right? because I'm fans of both of theirs regardless. But I didn't go in there with high expectations. Right. Um, I went in there with, like, man, this is going to be whatever. I'm just yeah, exactly. I was the same way. And what they did marketing-wise was, I mean, they had a good push with them two going around. But they didn't show a lot in the trailers, which also left me with not a lot, not a lot to be desired. But it was on purpose because there's so many like big moments in the movie to where like if they put it in the trailers, it would have spoiled everything. Even like um, uh, callbacks, like the kid Reggie from Bad Boys Two, you know, who was the kid that comes to the door. To that was funny. Well, he popped up and surprised me, right? Yeah, and then he's so, talking the same way. Yeah, so it definitely surprised me, like stuff like that. But you see, he never was in the trailer, right? Um. I think they did it well. They played it well with their ages. Uh, Will still doing some of the stunts, but you can tell he slowed down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And then Martin being the kind of the Danny Glover, I'm too old for this shit role from like Lethal Weapon and whatnot. And um, I, I thought it was uh, done very, very well. Um, I, I got people telling me it's the best of the three. Like, that's how much they like this movie. I would still put Bad Boys 1 above it, but I think it's better than Bad Boys 2. I think yeah. Bad Boys 2 is way too drawn out, way too long. I think they gave Michael Bay a big budget, and he just went crazy with Bad Boys 2. Mm-hmm. That's what they call uh, Bayhem, <laughs> Michael Bay's movies and whatnot. But um, I, um, I, uh, 
No, and, and he didn't do this for Michael Bay. And I thought you could see it was dialed back with as much explosions and actions and more of a a um, a uh, intimate, you know, person, people movie and stuff like that. Martin's comedic timing is still there. Like, he's still funny and whatnot. And and uh, him and Will still have that good uh, banter. That good banter and good brotherhood. It's making a lot of money. The critics like it. The people like it. I'm going to look at Bad Boys 4 now. Right. And, I like how they position it. And it's funny end. because Will wanted, wanted to wait for it to be right mm-hmm. before he put it out there. I mean, before they made a movie. And it's actually good. Like, I feel like his, his, he, he was thinking about it. He was thinking well because you know he said he you know he felt felt like uh, some of the Men in Black sequels were trash mm-hmm. and he didn't want to do that with this and stuff like that. So um, and I even even like with the perfect timing with Martin like when Will gets shot. He's yeah, I didn't see that coming either. That... And yeah, that threw me off when they had the race and then he gets shot up by his you know. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like, <laughs> should, should we say it? Oh, it's a spoiler review. So, oh, I, I, but. He gets shot up by his son. So Will, the villain, Blanca, um, he had he had a secret case back in the day. And basically, he had to go to Mexico. And he had to go deep, deep undercover. Like, he was even on the books. That's what people were trying to figure out. Like, why you have a tie with this lady? Because you weren't there, but he was there. The chief put him on, put him on um, what is it? Like, undercover or whatever. To, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, put yeah, him yeah. undercover. And in he Mexico. Put him, and Mexico. And basically, he had to play the driver of the wife. You know, be, be, Will, being charismatic, you know, charming and all that, ends up taking the wife down. And they end up having, like, this intimacy. And little did you know, she ends up getting pregnant. But Will never knew because he was never around. He, he had to go. They could never catch her. But as the story folds, unfolds, I would say, he realizes like when he hears a recording and he sees like a what does he saw the message? Because uh, um, he no. said well we, we the, the, the kid says it to him when he's trying to kill him. Because the mom gives a message like yeah. say this when you see him. Yeah, and it wasn't even like a real Spanish word, but it was something that the mom and Will said to each other all the time. And um and when he's so and why when, was he trying to do that to his father? Wait he to know what the his son father. didn't the, the son, son thought that the the drug lord the, the drug lord that which they killed before was his dad. Uh, he ne- The mom never told him Will was the actual dad. But literally, you know, Will knew the fact that the dad was unable to have children. He couldn't He couldn't produce. And once he got all the facts together... Because and, Will didn't know she had a baby. Like, she got locked knew. up in Mexico. Right. So he never heard he never about knew. her again. And then apparently she had the baby in jail. Mm-hmm. And then he went on his way or whatever. So Will never knew. And she never told him and blah, blah, blah. So. Right. And there's a, I even like the scene where they're fighting the son and um, Will. And Will's like, and Martin's like, what are you doing? Because the son's beating Will up. And Will's like, I don't want to fight my son. Like, I don't want to kill him. And I felt like that was another great scene showing, like, you know, despite the fact that Will had this big ego you know, he, he's nothing, nothing can stop bulletproof Mike and all that. It just showed, it just shows the point of like, okay, another real life moment. Like, this is my son. I want to be there for my son. And even though he doesn't believe me right now, I'm trying to show him like, listen, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. <laughs> and that, that was, that was crazy. That was crazy. And I, I just feel like the, the little stuff right there. Um, 
And then just Martin being Martin, like, man, put your glasses when he's not shooting the right people. It's like, did you put your glasses on? Eesh. And like, throw a mo- moments like little silly moments like that, or like Martin praying to God to bring Mike back to life. And he promised if he goes back to life, he was not gonna do no violence, right? Like, not hurt anyone. So Mike died. Mike actually died. Yeah. Yeah, he actually died, but they brought, they, you know, he came, he, they revived him. Oh, he, yeah. he died. Well, I mean, he, he but, well, he did die. Yeah, he did die, yeah. He, he died, did, but he came back. Yeah, all right. But another, but going back to the point I didn't, I didn't say, like, the funny parts, like, the random funny moments you brought up where he just had those right moments. Like, when Will died, there was a moment where um, Martin was saying, like, Will was still trying to be young. I recognize that dye in your beard. That's mocha, beard, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And you notice when he's on the when he's on his deathbed or not in coma, his beard goes gray. And there's a scene where Martin's like laying the uh, the dye back on his beard because he knew Will would want it. Yeah, that's his boy. His yeah, that's yeah, his boy. To show the connection, like, listen, I got you. Like you're my boy. And then the irony when he comes back to when he comes back to life, Will being Will, bulletproof Mike. It's like, listen, we got to get these dudes back. And Martin's like, what are you talking about? I'm retired. You almost died. And Will's like, but you're my boy. Like, how could you betray me? He's like, are you kidding me? Like, I did this for you. I put the dye back in your beard. And all this other stuff. And Will's just like, you're right. You're right. But, like, come on. We, one more last time. And then Martin walks away. He's like, nah, I'm done. And walks off. And I just I just like those real life moments because I feel like that's your boy. You've been friends for all these years, 25 yeah. years. And then one person wants to leave. The other person doesn't. I just felt that that was another real moment that could actually happen. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was a lot of real moments in there. The acting, of course, was good. Only thing I like was Khaled's cameo. I thought he was trash, but um, who's who's here? Khaled. Oh, that was so stupid. I feel yeah. like they did it because they were Miami. That's all. But it was just the dumbest scene. Like, oh, yeah. I was just like, what is this? Why are you so psyched up being a meat guy? Like, yeah. so he was like DJ Khaled's personality, like. Chopping up meat. I was like, who's excited to chop some meat up? I was like, you just, you know, I mean, you can tell he's not an actor. So I'm with him probably put it in there for. That was the dumbest scene. Like, I think they just did, they just threw that in as, as a favor. Yeah. But that was literally one of the dumbest scenes. I just felt like it just took out of the storyline. It was stupid. It was just. It was waste. It was yeah. stupid. Yeah, it was a waste of a film role. And he was only in that one part. Overall, um, I would give Bad Boys probably an eat. I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing ever, but I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm now looking forward to a part four. I'm happy to see Martin, you know, working again and stuff like that because I always did, um, you know, like Martin and stuff like that. How would you feel about – some people thought that Charlemagne crossed the line with their interview on The Breakfast Club a couple times or not. I, see, I only watched part of it. Like, what do you, what moments do you mean? Like, when he asked about the Gina thing, or well, it was the, the first age? moment was when Martin's sitting right next to him, uh-huh. and Charlamagne says, "You know, um, how's the money go fifty fifty? Because I heard you make like ten million dollars more than Martin to Will and uh-huh. whatnot." A lot of people felt like that was disrespectful to ask that question about the money right while Martin's sitting right there and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he did throw some jabs like. Because at the end of the day, it it's pretty obvious that Will and Come Martin are cool. Yeah. yeah, and even though Will may be considered like the bigger blockbuster, right? Like especially with Martin almost losing everything because of yeah the past, um, or certain conspiracies with that, right, but, right. And Will kind of doing whatever you can to please the Hollywood execs, which would make sense. Yeah, 
which would make sense why he gets more. Right. I just thought what Charlemagne did, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually looked past that, um, was, you know, pe- petty. Yeah, me too. Real, real petty. I, I don't think it was warranted because, you know, Martin has been through a lot. A yeah. Lot, a lot of nonsense. And just to say some BS like that, like, oh, so how does it feel? Like, is the split, like, asking the obvious question. Right. But why put that in the limelight? Like, Will makes more money than Martin? I thought it was the same thing. Like, why throw that out there? Like, especially people in the masses, the everyday people don't know that. But now people are going to tie into it. Oh, damn, Will make more money than Martin. Like, what's up? Yeah. Like, I mean, light Will skin, did actually. Light skin, light skin versus dark skin. That too. But Will didn't actually, like, answer the question. But he what he said, Charlamagne, wow, four minutes in, and you already come with some BS. Because yeah. it's funny because people, um, I think it was, who was it? LL, who mm-hmm. won't go on there and stuff like that. Because right. he's like, I would have punched Charlamagne in the face. You've never seen LL Kooji on, on, on the Breakfast Club, right. right? And other people. People are starting to, like, read his vibe and either, like, just don't go on the show or come prepared. You know, like, I know I'm going to avoid you. Because at one point, and you can tell Will's like a, a, a he studies people and stuff like that. Because at one point, he. Um, he was he, like, this is what you do. Right, it's what you do, right? right. He asked um, him the question about his relationship with Jada, mm-hmm. right? And he said, okay, come with the next one. Because he said, this is what you do. So I saw people up with this mm-hmm. one question. Then you come with a crazy question. You get a little twitch in your eye. Right. Then you come with a crazy question. And he did. Then we came about the one about Tupac right after that right. or whatever. So he literally has studied Charlemagne to know how these questions are going to come from him and whatnot. And I think that caught Charlemagne off guard. Sounds like something Josh would do. And he <laughs> even brought up a point uh, with Will, like, I will be, he kind of positioned the question to both of them, but how do you feel with like certain characters or like playing a gay character or being like outside the box, like dressing up as a woman? And I feel like Will, if you saw like Martin was like, oh, it don't matter to me, blah blah blah. Like Martin is basically like looked it over, but Will was like, and for a second you could see in Will's face like this guy's like coming at me now because you know Will's done a lot of questionable scenes in right. the past, right? He's and he's done gay characters, yeah. yeah. Several times. And then Charlemagne's like, so how do you feel? Like, is that really a big deal? And before Will responded, you could see, like, Will was like, why is he saying this? And then he, he just responds, like, I don't think it's a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's the scene, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of surprised Charlemagne would bring up something like that when he knows what goes on behind behind closed doors. But just for him to bring that up in the light, especially to Will Smith, who's considered to be one of the biggest, one of the biggest black actors. Yeah, it's almost like he has these personal thoughts in his mind and questions that he just has uh, in his room somewhere. Like, I wonder this and that. Mm-hmm. But they're not very journalistic questions that you would, should be asking. And he still puts it out there. Or like, he even brought up the nonsense when he made that mold of his ass. Again, and, that too. Yeah. And asked, oh, would you give that to Martin or whatever? Like, would you give that to each other? Like, why are you... Getting onto this agenda, and then it it basically goes against of this thing of of uh, Charlemagne actually caring about people who have PTSD and actually caring about people's feelings and understanding more about the person. It basically contradicts everything that he does when he has these two sides of where he has these talk shows or the or he's trying to or even when he tried to host that event in New York where he was trying to do something with Kanye, but it ends up getting shut down because or whatever allegations but it just kind of like how are you gonna say this because actually monique's husband brought this point up he was like how are you gonna bring up this how are you gonna one day you're gonna say like ah, i feel bad for kanye and then the next moment the next day you give him donkey today 
and nobody picks up on that. Like he was like, "Don't you find it weird that Charlemagne would say one thing about this, and then another day he said something else that completely contradicts the statement?" And going into what he's done at that interview, basically points out to his his major point of like Charlemagne is not really into what he says. He just does it to clean up the image that he tarnished in the past. And he's just basically trying to clean it up because now he's getting past his 40s. You can't sell being asshole. an asshole at 50 years old. At 60 years old. This doesn't make sense. People are not going to really be that. You could do that when you're 20s because you could blame it on your age. Well, and I don't know. Simon McCall does it pretty lucratively. Well, Simon's also white. And he's also a creator. Like he created some most of these shows that he's on. Charlemagne's kind of a um a worker. Right, yeah. but he could create his own stuff if he wanted to. As a matter of fact, he's doing the he's collaborating with that comedian, Andrew, what's his name? Oh, the the, the uh the Jewish guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he I does mean, the, that, the um the podcast with the, the podcast and then the, yeah. he's been trying to do stuff with him. But now. it's not like on a Simon Cowell level though, I'm saying. Like, like he, he can create his own. That that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and Kanye's doing it too. So, yeah, I mean, but he don't really keep that. But and that's fine. I actually agree with you. But he don't stay consistent. That's the problem. You know, he'll be that way one day, but then try to switch it up. He'll be it for mental health, but then switch it up. He's so never consistent in who he should be. If he's a worker, that means he's getting directed from the powers that be, right? No, uh, Charlemagne does what Charlemagne wants to do. Honestly, uh, he's no, definitely not, and. Those questions, I don't think they came from the powers that be either. I think it's just for Charlemagne curiosity in his mind. Because you could tell, even some, like even when the interview was about to end, he was like, I got to get this question out. I really want to know. Like, how did Will Fist feel about Jada, Jada Pinkett having love for Tupac in the 90s or whatever like that when they were together? And I'm like, bro, it was 25 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Who cares? And whatnot. I mean, stuff like that. It just bothers him to me, you know, when I listen to it and stuff like that. Because if you, if you, um, take that interview, right? Because in New York City, so when they do these movies and and, and album promotions, they make rounds, right? So to take that interview and the same day or day before they were on Sway in the morning, because most of these people go from one show to another, right? And it's like a total opposite interview, right? It's still a great interview. They ask about Will's rap career and his and his and his life and his wife and all this other stuff, but it doesn't seem like such a being a, a um, I don't know, asshole or dickhead with the questions and whatnot like that, or asking, you know, questions that you shouldn't that you shouldn't ask and whatnot. Even Charlemagne said, you know, he said, um, Fresh Prince was a dope rapper, not the show, but the, uh, but Will Smith oh, when was he trash. The rapper, yeah, yeah, Will Smith was trash and whatnot, and <laughs> and Will had to say, and just going back to our other conversation, by the time. I came back out with music. I was already a movie star by that time. So I couldn't be the same, have the same type of lyrics that I had when I was Fresh Prince with Jazzy Jeff. I couldn't say what I wanted to or rap how I wanted to because I'm not going to mess up my movie my, my movie bag at that time. And he was still selling albums with the Getting Jiggy With It. and Double platinum. Yeah, double platinum and stuff like that. I got a few of them. <laughs> but he um couldn't be, you know, the... um. The uh, the same guy who was parents just don't understand with Jazzy Jeff type of deal and stuff like that, and I and I would think we we should know that that's something you would say right it's, it's obvious you know it's something like that like you know why would he um, it's also obvious for Charlemagne to ask these questions why wouldn't he not I mean 
I, I don't think asking a, a, a man, that's like me asking you two, like, yo, how much y'all make? Which one of y'all make more? Like, right. I, I, I don't think that's, that's, that's cool. I mean, obviously that he would, but I don't think it's cool at all. Like, could have, could if you were to say, if you were going to go the same job and you were to say, yeah, I make like, you know, 40,000 more than John do here. But I feel like that's obvious. He's the bigger star. Everyone knows that. It's a- super obvious. Right. So why put it out there? Why does Martin need to hear that? He already know it. He's on a contract already like that. Right. But that should be Teflon. Like, you, Will said it. That's exactly what he's doing. So he, he didn't answer it, right? So it made him look even better. It's not a, to me. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's not cool for him not to answer. It's cool, but I don't think it was necessary for him to ask. I understand. It, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't answered because if it was a good question, it would have been answered. It was on brand. Let's say that's what. The, okay, I, that, I'll that's agree what with that. the Breakfast Club is all about. I think it's what Charlemagne is all about. Well, Charlemagne is the Breakfast Club. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll give you that. And I thought that one, and I thought the whole, and also because Charlamagne gets to this thing, I think where especially with two people, and you listen to it all the time too, where he likes to put them against each other. That question was one. Mm-hmm. The second one was, which one of y'all shows was better, Fresh Prince or Martin? Mm-hmm. Why, bro? Like, and they didn't answer the question once again. They were like, well, they both were great shows, but he wants somebody to say my show was better than yours. Sounds like a lot like Tony. Interesting, right? Yeah, and that's my approach to Tony, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. I think, uh, and another thing I think with Charlemagne is, I forgot who positioned this. Some artist did, but one of the artists, I don't know, I don't know if it was um, what's his name, uh, who played in Atlanta, uh, where they had a beef. What's his name again? Uh, Donald Glover. No, 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 not Donald Glover. The dude, um. He was in that Taylor Market movie too. Wait, who? Lakeith. Stanfield. Yeah. Okay. And where he says, I think he even said in one of his interviews where Charlemagne selectively picks on certain people and other people where he feel like he can't get off or he's going to be like major repercussions. Mm -hmm. He's not going to say nothing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people feel that way. I feel like that's powers that be doing what they do. Makes sense. Um, and moving forward from Bad Boys 3, uh, last thing on the pop culture docket was power in the <laughs> review. Now, I just got a text we were talking right. about how they've shot several different endings oh. just in case there was a leak. Right. So we got the one with um, Tyreek, spoiler alert for power. Yeah. But then Fifth put the one out with Tasha shooting ghosts mm-hmm. or whatever. So I didn't watch that one. I watched the one where Tommy was talking to Ghost, and Tommy looks up, and Ghost is like, "Nah, let it go, let it go." There's that one. There's a second one uh-huh. where Tyreek actually shoots Ghost, and Tasha runs in at the last minute, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. Then there's one where Tasha says, "I can't just do this to my son," and she shoots him. Mm-hmm. So there's several endings out there. So I guess they're just saying we're not gonna let you guys figure out, you know, what happened. Yeah, be, you know, it'll be funny. If they spin it and show Ghost actually makes it. He definitely is. I mean, he's literally copying Game of Thrones template. Like, it's so obvious. Like, they show all these these spoiler alerts, quote unquote, where like who killed Ghost or whatever. Then you find yeah. out Ghost is actually still alive. That would be cool. But what did you think of the last episode, Tommy episode, though? I loved it. Me too. I loved I thought that was one of the best that they put out in a while because it shows like the, the, cause you know, with Tommy, he's considered the hothead 
and he's so passionate and emotional with his decisions, like with his his Holly, um, Keisha, uh, with with Ghost, with Tariq, with everyone, everything, even his decisions when he kills people. He just even what he did with Proctor, like his decisions just doesn't make any sense. But it's just like the normal person can can vibe with Tommy because they feel like Tommy is a rider, and he, once he feels like somebody's going against him, it's just like. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. That's over. with me. Cause the more I watched this last episode, mm-hmm. the more I'm like, yo, like well, you knew Proctor's family was connected. Mm-hmm. So again, it doesn't make any sense. Because do you think they not were going to not come after you at some point? So like it says, he doesn't make rational decisions. Right. He just makes more emotional decisions. Right. Like Tommy's approach is just like I'm gonna do this now and worry about it later. And yeah. as you see things unfold where he finds out, like, Ghost didn't do this. And Ghost is really trying to protect Tommy this yeah. whole time. Despite the fact of what was going on, he was still trying to protect his little brother. Because right. he knows Tommy is a hothead. And with everything that Tommy lost and how Tommy was brought up. And with just showing the, intelli- the intelligence that Ghost has... He was able to look for, past all the BS and be like, you know what? Despite the fact that many times Ghost could have put Tommy away, right? He was like, no, I need to protect him. And then Tommy finally realizes, like, listen, what he did this? That happened? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I need to go save him. Right? That's my brother. And now he realize he goes back to the beginning, like, oh, I got my brother back. But then at the end, where you see his mom say, like. How could you do this to him? Why would you kill him? Jamie was always better than you. He got the girls. He was smarter than you. And it just goes right to that point of just like, <clears throat> yeah. What do you think their um? Well, first of all, I love the episode. Mm-hmm. It's funny because Tommy's like the freaking um. He's like American assassin. Like right. I, 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 yo, I, I get he's a street criminal. Right. But he takes people out like he's freaking a Terminator yeah. and whatnot. And I, and I don't just mean like he, he's not afraid to kill nobody. Mm-hmm. Like he's got precision shooting, like headshots from a distance. And he took out the Vincent's whole crew by himself. I'm like, yo, what are these drug dealers working on like tactical, tactical, you know, freaking shooting and stuff like that? I'm like, what's going on? How does Tommy never get caught? Right. Killing Spanky in the daylight, broad daylight? Yeah. <laughs> like, who does that? I know. Right. <laughs> and not get caught. Again, precision. Driving the same car. Precision headshot. Once, <laughs> once again. I'm like, yo, did he go to, like, weapons training somewhere? Like, what is going on here? He got to have a backstory. He was in Army or something like that. Because, mm-hmm. again, the stuff he was doing looked like freaking, um, uh, what's, what's the show you watch? Uh, Jack, what's the, uh, Jack Ryan. Yeah, Jack Ryan. Or Jack, Jack Reacher. Or Jack, or Jack Reacher. He was actually in Jack Reacher. He was That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, so so that uh that was a little uh much to me. But um this whole story was good. Mm-hmm. I like the part where Alyssa Marie, the little girl, and their um their their scenes together, mm-hmm. she was smart as hell too. Like even from the beginning, she was like your proof of life every hour, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? And and she knew Uncle Benny was gone. Mm-hmm. And when she told Tommy, like, I know you killed my pops or whatever like that. It's and, obvious. Yeah. Like it just shows the humility of like how Elise Marie yeah. has to grow up. And so Tommy killed her father, but he won't actually say yes I did it. But at the end of the show, they brought back a kill bill line saying when they um she told Vivica's daughter from Kill Bull and she said, you know, when you grow up if you want to come see me, then come see me. 
and whatnot. So if you saw if people saw Kill Bill, that's mm-hmm. where that line came from, actually, um, when he told her that and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, I, I hope they do like a Power LA with Tommy. I think that'd be dope mm-hmm. and whatnot since he went out there. I like how he rolled off into the sunset playing um, uh, Regulators. Yeah. Yeah, when they dog <laughs> Warren G. Um, R.I.P. Nate Dog. Shouts mm-hmm. out to Warren G. And um, I thought that was dope. And um, he got his car back, like you said. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was good. But I, I still think they're laying seeds for like a prequel. Because mm-hmm. if you listen, every time uh, the show's on, I say hello sometimes. Mm-hmm. This show, Kate mentioned uh, uh, Jamie came and saved you when Tasha was pregnant with the twins and you were on the docks about to get killed mm-hmm. or whatever. How could you want to kill him and whatnot? Why is she going to say that random shit? Yeah. And everything that happened. It just like, continues on <laughs> to the point of like, you go, you're going back and forth with this guy and saying he's against you, he's against you. But Jamie has saved you so many times despite what's actually going on, despite how dangerous, how bad, how crazy a decision this was, he was still willing to protect you. And how could you have this idea of wanting to kill your brother? Right. Like, your mom calls him the, your son. Like, right. that's our son. Right. And why would you want to do that? And then it it's, makes you you feel that point of humility of looking at at Tommy's characters like, wow. Well, you know, you know, Jazz, he, he would have killed Tommy a long time ago. Like, season well, yeah. one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you know, Tommy's a drug was a drug addict, uh-huh. cokehead yeah. at the time, and you can't have your lieutenant be a cokehead. He was mm-hmm. too, you know, can't, couldn't control him or whatever. A like hot that. Man, irrational, yeah, a hothead, irrational, all that good stuff. But he's made for good entertainment and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So definitely, Joseph Secure. Shouts out to Joseph Secure. Yeah. He's a really, really good actor and stuff like that. So, um, and the irony of him is, is the the roles he had in the past were far off. From what Tommy, especially well, he played it. From what Tommy is exactly. If you ever watched Joseph Secure, he's nothing like Tommy. No, he's just like and a regular. He, he played a pregnant man. Yeah, well, he played. Um, he played in um the show that Jazz always talks about, Banshee. That one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I watched that season three. He actually plays a racist um like dude down with the clan, like mm-hmm. in in Louisiana or whatever. Even though in this show he got all black friends and all, right. all and a black girl and whatnot. Right. And he had a skinhead and everything and whatnot, and get chipped by a black dude at, at the end or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a uh, it's a really good one. So that's the end of power and our review for pop culture. Mm-hmm.